This message is called Jesus is Real. It probably comes from that little revelation I just shared with you there about my family is real, my marriage is real, and everything can get a little bit nebulous, a little bit just, oh, it's part of the scenery. It's always there. But when you get brutally honest with yourself and start to... It's like people who near die on a... One guy I saw on one of those air, airline catastrophe shows, you know, and the, they averted catastrophe. Guy's a businessman. He's got it all together. He's got everything together. Superannuation, career, great life. And he came back out of that near fatal collision in the sky and he stood now talking to the reporter and he says when I got back the, I was so thankful for my life but thankful for my family and these basic things of life but I know this I want to be a contributor he was not ready to meet God he was not ready to meet with you know eternity yet and I found this profound that one of the key things that he said I want to contribute I want to be known as a contributor before I go. And I think something happened for him where he thought, my God, I'm not ready to meet maybe God or to bail out at the moment without fulfilling my obligation in life to give what I'm supposed to give. And I, I, I th thought that was profound. So, yeah, Jesus, Jesus needs to be so real for us. Our family needs to be real for us. Um, our marriage needs to be real. And how I dealt with this was through this holiday. This revelation comes through this. So let me just tease this out. You know the scripture, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know that scripture. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His glory never, it never dissipates. It's all, he is as real, he is as glorious, he is as magnificent, he is just perfect, wonderful, glorious. And so we're on holidays and one of our great uh, desires was to see the Great Barrier Reef and, and did you thank people that gave us, gave to us, uh, I think you did, but gave money to us and gifts to us to be able to do some of these great things. And it was so, so graciously received. We so were blessed with it. Each gift that we receive, you know who you are. Well, one of the things we, we were, were looking forward to doing, the desire of our heart was to go to the Great Barrier Reef, and we took the most uh, commercial one because we could have went on a smaller one, but we went the commercial one because someone said that was the one to do. I won't mention who. And um, unfortunately, uh, the coral wasn't as great as we thought. And the fish weren't as bright. Who's, who's with me on that? Yeah, you got a lady at the back there, praise God. And, uh, and so we're snorkeling. We know this Oldfield family, we love the water. We've got the goggles on. We, yeah, what? These goggles, give me a new pair of goggles, put the next pair on. It's all bleached and it's lost some of its color, a lot of its color in this particular place. We saw some great fish. We had to go right out. Even the guys, the instructors go, who are those people, five people out the back? Are they with your crew? Are they skin divers? Are they scuba divers or something? No, they're just snorkelers way half a K off the whole 
because we went 75 k's off the coast, 75 k's on a catamaran, the fastest catamaran, the fastest boat ride I've ever been on in my life. This huge thing, as big as this, as big as this uh, church, four big turbine engines in the back of it. The spray of it was like the, the Titanic. And we were pushing out, man, pushing out. I'd forgotten I used to get seasick. And uh, I'm, we're pushing out 75 k's. We end up out at this, you know, pontoon, whatever you call it. Big base, like, you know, it was like this huge big base where it all happens. And there's about three, four hundred of us out there. And, and so we're witnessing some of this coral reef stuff. and But unfortunately, it's... It's lacking some of its majesty. It's one of the... Is it one of the seventh wonders of the uh, the world? Well, it wasn't looking like one of the seven wonders of the world. I'll tell you what. Uh, it was a looking a little bit... Uh, looking a little bit taxed, a little bit old. Its, its glory had subsided. Do you know what I'm saying? And the same, too, is what's happening in all around us we're with creation um with creation we're seeing you know things uh i even saw a kookaburra being attacked by a wild species of a bird or one of these asian minor birds i mean a kookaburra is sacred our kookaburra is sacred no one the kookaburra can just sit there just in its poise you know in its glory and no no i've never seen a kookaburra bothered in its life but even a kookaburra is succumbing to the corruption, and, and this is what I want to talk about, that seemingly things on the planet, and even the Great Barrier Reef, is being corrupted but being diminished. But our God is not. Our Lord Jesus is ever bright, ever shining. He is not diminished. If we meet with Him, if we see Him, He's going to be bright. He's going to be shining just like he was on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was bright and shining and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. And, and it was proof that because the glory was on him that he was glorious. And so the Bible says in Matthew uh, 4.16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light and on these living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And this great light, it was shining from the star. Remember, and the three wise men were following the star and the light was shining upon the baby infant Jesus. And I love this scripture, Exodus 15, verse 11. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? I love that. Awesome in glory just like on that Mount Transfiguration, awesome in glory. Some people like him in a manger. Some people like to know of Jesus walking around on the face of the earth, performing miracles. Some people like to see him high and lifted up. But actually you can see him, see Jesus, even before he entered Mary's womb, you can see Jesus in the Old Testament. And you can even see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And you can see the Father, the true in God, in the Old Testament. And I want to have a look back into the Old Testament and have a look at a few times when Jesus visibly, manifestly turned up on the scene of planet Earth. But firstly, I want to give you this scripture. And it talks about this fragile planet that we are on and 
losing its color, its life, its glory, this fragile planet, the greenies are upset. What happened? I missed it. There was a news, Kevin Rudd hasn't thrown enough money at the greenies and, and the greenies are upset. Trust me to sit with a publisher of greenies, of people that, um, uh, she's a publisher, so glasses, very intelligent, uh, beautiful lady. And I sat with her on the airplane all the way back. And she's a publisher of research, uh, researchers of all our ecosystems and the extinction and evolution as opposed to creation. And I gave her my version of creation. Of, and it was, she says, you are, I've never heard a version like that. Garden of Eden, man turns up, Adam turns up in the garden, a perfect environment. The barrier reef, if there was such one in the garden, would have been perfect. The trees were perfect. There was no lantana in the garden. You know what I mean? There was no kookaburra has been attacked by alien birds. Everything was in uniformity. And I'm talking like this. I'm saying the, the garden was like a, an incubator, but uh, it was like a nursery because when you bring your baby home, you, you don't want to put your baby in a, in a beautiful nursery, don't you? Well, God wanted to put his mankind in a nursery called Eden in this beautiful place, voluptuous, you know, absolutely full house of everything that they needed. Everything was perfect. But the deal was that we weren't supposed to abdicate or sin and, and abdicate from our responsibility of, of looking after this garden and certainly not eating of the tree of good and evil. But we did. We performed high treason against God. There was only one tree we weren't supposed to eat of. And we performed high treason and ate from that. And we became sinful. And then, of course, corruption and then we got booted out of the garden. But the real deal is, and I knew this would really bless her, the real deal was that the garden was supposed to be extended across the face of the earth, that we were supposed to colonize the garden all over the earth. This perfect, radiant, glorious creation that you, that you love and research and publish was really not supposed to be defiled by the corruption of sin and the, 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 the barrier reef that we see that is colorless was supposed to be colorful. And all the trees and all the vegetation and all the animals, the Bible says here, the Bible says all creation groans anticipating the rising of the sons of glory. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For us guys, the church, the people of God to come back into, into this alignment and into agreement with God and then bring order back onto this planet. And so I said to this lady, I'm in the same job as you. You're trying to bring order through publishing these great works that talk about mankind, how it's, you know, corrupting and, 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 and contaminating our, our nature. And because they're upset about roads through rainforests, they're upset about species extinct, being extinguished by, you know, crazy acts of civilization and I said, well, we're into that. The church is into that. The church is into, into about being revolutionaries and saying no to sin, no to immorality, no to drugs, and no to, to the, really the stuff that is really causing that stuff that you are upset about. And this was all amazing to her. She said, I have never heard of an interpretation of Christianity like that. 
I said, you've got to understand this. This church thing is so pragmatic. That's why people are coming back to it because people are joining the church and, 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 and giving to the church their time, their talent, their treasure because it's doing something in society. We're not just in here worshiping God, going out into the world, letting it rot. And this was amazing to now I had her listening. She said, now this, well, this interests me. This is the sort of church that you, you sort of head up and subscribe to. And all, all of a sudden, it made sense to her. Because I said to her, do you know what? God shows his glory through all creation. Man is without excuse. God shows his glory through creation. I said, but the thing is with us as Christians, we don't worship creation. We worship the creator. Amen? I can understand why you love nature. It's a precious God God made thing. But we worship because we're born to worship, I said to her. We're born, all of us are born to worship, but we worship the living God. And so, okay, she's all right with that. She wasn't getting narky with any of this. This was all reasonable stuff to her. Because, you know, if you explain it in a pragmatic way, it's good. So creation is in frustration. The Bible says it's been groaning pains of childbirth. The barrier reef is groaning under the weight of sin. I want to display the glory for the Oldfield family, but I can't. I'm, I'm frustrated. I want, to, I want to be like the postcards. I want, to, I want to shine for you, but I'm under the weight of the curse of the sin that was caused from the original sin. You know, we want to show these tourists, and I can see the tourists walking around go, Germans, English, you know, all sorts of people in there. And they go, yeah, it's nice, but gee, I thought it maybe be better than this. I don't know. And you grieve in a sense. You grieve that things aren't quite right. But Jesus is real. Jesus turned up, by the way, and I find this fascinating. He turned up um, to Abraham, Genesis verse 18 or chapter 18. And, and Jesus turns up with two angels to Abraham. And Jesus is saying that Sodom and Gomorrah must be dealt with. Uh, and then the two angels, they walk back to Sodom and Gomorrah and meet with Lot and they help him out. And, but Jesus stands before Abraham and said, and, and, and by the way, uh, the scripture says that uh, Abraham calls him Lord. He calls the angel Lord. So we're talking about angels turning up in the Old Testament and Jesus turning up, yes, on Christmas Day as we would call it, but here comes Jesus from the Old Testament. And Abraham talks to this angel, but really the angel is called Lord. Jehovah, Yahweh. And then Jesus turns up. I don't know if you know this. And these are called Christ, I think they're called Christophanies. Christophanies. Help me if that's not right. Christophanies. Yeah. These are the visible times that Jesus turned up. Do you remember Jacob? He's wrestling with the angel all night. <laughs> wrestling with an angel. But now hang on. The angel is a messenger. The messenger is Jesus. And Jesus, the angel, renames Jacob and says, you are Israel. 
because you have contended with God. You will reign with God because you have contended. Who's contended with God this year? I can see some people who have contended with God and God is saying, now be blessed. There's, there's a whole deal there about contending with God. I love that. He who prevails with God. That's what Israel means. He will rule as God. I love that. Jacob realized he wrestled with God. And he called this place Peniel, meaning the face of God. Here's another one. Joshua appeared to, Jesus appeared to Joshua. He's crossing the river. He's going into Jericho. And this man, this angel turns up with a sword commander of the armies he says he is are you with us or you against us take off your shoes Joshua you are on holy ground the same thing he said in the burning bush Jesus was in the burning bush with Moses take off your sandals Joshua I'm about to mobilize you to take Jericho and take this promised land. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Take off your shoes. I love that story. I wish I had time to read it. The final physical appearance of Christ in the Old Testament was in Judges, Judges chapter 13. You can have a look at it, verse 3 to 23, when he encountered Samson's parents before Samson was born. He's referred to as the angel of the Lord. Now, you know, you might have a problem with that word angel, but angel means messenger. And Jesus, remember Jesus only spoke on the Father's behalf? He only spoke on the Father's behalf. And here comes Jesus through these incidences speaking on behalf of the Father. Speaking now to Samson's parents and saying, you've got to look after this guy. He's going to be consecrated. He's going to, I'm going to, my plans are going to be met through his life. You know, I believe that's a bit like the church, you know. God, you know, Jesus saying to us, you know, careful of these young kids. They're going to do great stuff for me. Gail, careful of your boy. Careful because they're going to, they're going to do great stuff. And this is exactly what Jesus, the messenger, Andrew, was saying to Samson's parents and and. It says here, throughout the ministry, Jesus said repeatedly that, that he was speaking what the Father told him to speak. And when Manoah asked, I think it was Manoah, when he asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? He said, secret. And in Genesis 13, 18, the word secret also means wonderful, wonderful counselor. So again, this is a, a word uh, used to denote the fact that this was Jesus. Yes, it's an angel, but it was Jesus. And of course, the wife scurries away and says, let's, let's worship him. Let's make a sacrificial offering to him. And he never denied. There's incidences in the Bible actually where it says in certain scriptures that where they tried to worship angels and the angel said, no, don't worship me. I'm not Jesus. But this time... When Samson's mother says, let's make an offering to him, he never denied it. So that's proof that this was Jesus. I love this stuff. And of course, as you know, but the other one too was Hagar, Ishmael. And I haven't written this down, but Ishmael 
Abraham's mother, Hagar, before Ishmael was born or after? After. That's right, when she was running away from Abraham, Sarah, she had the baby. The promise was supposed to be Isaac. They made their own plans in the flesh and the maidservant, Hagar, had a baby, Ishmael, which they say is the birth of the Muslim religion. And that's how there's so much, in a way, there's so much favor on them because they were part of this dynasty, seed of Abraham. Because Abraham was so significant. That's right, Jules. Because Abraham, that's why it matters when key people in ministry make a mistake. It has huge implications. And because Abraham is the father of nations and he has this Ishmael in the flesh, God's hands were tied. He said, but you don't understand it, guys. This nation now is going to populate the earth. And I've got to give them, in a, in a way, some favor. And they, they're going to succeed and they're going to do stuff and they're going to have influence. And that's why we're dealing with this whole nation that is in enmity towards us. Because they think they're the right guys, but now hang on, we're the promise. The church is the promise. You know what I'm saying? But I love this. Jesus, an angel, turned up to Hagar and said, why are you downcast? And she called him and that place, the God, you can read this in Scripture, the God that sees me. Do you know Jesus sees you? Even even Hagar had the revelation that this Jesus was the God that sees me. There was these two, um, there was this song, and I'm just about done. And if we got the overhead, let's have a look at it. I love this because I love seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. He's real. I love seeing Jesus, yes, in the manger, glorious. And we're, we're worshipping him at this time in Christmas. That's great. But I like to see the future of Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. But let's have a look at this. This is how Jesus, this was a song written. You might, might have seen it, but this is fantastic. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. Listen, before I go any further, Jesus will always be colorful. He'll always be glorious. He won't be like the barrier reef. He won't be like some of the, the rainforest that is, you know, in contention with weeds and, you know, stuff that depletes it of, it, of its glory. Jesus is always real and glorious. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. Judges, lawgiver. Ruth, a kingsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, a trusted prophet. Thanks, Steve. That's great. Appreciate that. In Kings and Chronicles, he saw room. In, I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure. What, help me with that. In Ezra, true faithful scribe. It might be, uh, help me with that. Anyway, in Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. I love that. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, wisdom's cry. Ecclesiastes, the time and season. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. 
He is, He is, He is. This is a song written by a father and son, by the way. Any more? Any more? In Isaiah, He's the Prince of Peace. Thanks, guys. Jer- in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, a cry for Israel. Ezekiel, He's the call from sin. In Daniel, the stranger in the fire. In Isaiah, He is forever faithful. In Joel, He is the Spirit's power. In Amos, the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, He's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, He's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, He is our strength and shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, He's pleading for revival. In Haggai, He restores the lost, arid cities. In Zechariah, our fountain. In Malachi, He's the Son of Righteousness, rising with healing in His wings. He is, He is, He is. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, He is God, Man, Messiah. In the book of Acts, He's the fire from heaven. In Romans, He's the grace of God. In Corinthians, the power of love. In Galatians, the cure from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, our glorious treasure. Philippians, the servant's heart. In Colossians, He is the Godhead Trinity. In Thessalonians, our coming King. Timothy, Titus, Philemon, our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, the everlasting covenant. In James, the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, He's our shepherd. In John and Jude, He's the Lord coming for His bride. In the Revelation, He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is, He is, He is. Come on, guys. The Prince of Peace, the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, the Great I Am. He's the Alpha and the Omega, our God and our Savior. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord, and when time is no more, He is, He is, He is. And I've got some stuff there that Jesus was put to death and His light was diminished. For a time, He overcame death. And now, in all His glory, shining through His church and people, Jesus is real. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Powerful, wonderful. When I see Jesus with my goggles and... No, I won't need that, sorry. When I see Jesus all glorified, He's going to be bright and glorious, radiant. He's not going to let me down. And guess what? I can take any tourists I want from England, Spain, France, Germany, and I can say, come and look at the majesty of our God. Look at the radiance Look at the pools of love. Look at the compassion. Look at the love of our Savior. He will not let us down. He will not let us down. He is all glorious, all wonderful, all powerful. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. No diminishing. He has conquered death. Barrier Reef hasn't conquered death yet, unfortunately. The greenies haven't conquered death. And I could feel for this woman. And she was really, uh, she was sympathetic that I could understand her deal. 
because I was sympathetic. One of the key, key ways to evangelize, hear their story, hear their compassion, hear how they tick, sympathize with them. Yeah, I'm upset too. My kookaburra in my backyard was being attacked the other day and I'm upset. I feel like that guy on road. I'm upset. <laughs> Beautiful, gracious bird, the kookaburra. Even our kookaburras have been attacked, let alone the barrier reef and the rainforest. We did get up to the rainforest, guys. It was fantastic. We swam in the cool waters of the, of the, of the crocodile and no, sorry, of the, <laughs> of the Daintree River. His little eyes looking at us. <laughs> Follow me, kids. It's all right. Knife in my teeth plastic one because it was the only one I could find being the Christmas season. <laughs> Looked around and I was by myself. <laughs> no, they came in, all the kids. Was, so even Gemma came right out snorkeling and, and I pray that you come right out into God and just keep searching, man. We're right where everyone was. We didn't see a lot, but we had to push out. We had to push out even to the parameters. We had to push out. And man, God gave us one patch. Come on, sis. We did too. I had my hands wife like that with snorkeling. And we just, I'm leading her now. I'm leading her now. I just, uh, this has got to be, this has got to be good. I'm getting brownie points for this. I know I am. <laughs> uh, and so, it, no, it really was precious. And we had to find that, Bill, what do you love? We had to find that place. We had to find that place and push out. You've got to get past the crowds and push out, push out. And then we found, and then we saw this, this amount of coral, yeah. Where it was, and then the fish started to come out purple, purple and pink. Yeah, so we did see some great stuff. And then this great big colored fish like that. And we pointed like that. And we did get carried away momentarily just for a second, a couple of moments, but it was worth it. Because we, if, we'd, if we'd not really wrangled for the blessing like Jacob, we would have missed out and we would have been really disappointed because we'd heard all the stories of Andrew up at Dunk. Oh, it was fantastic. We got our backsides burnt, but it was fantastic. It was all worth it. But we really, we really wrestled for this. We know we paid $180 each out there I mean, we paid a good, good amount. We were going to, man, we're just leaving all this. We're finding this coral, man. We, <laughs> we want to find you, Lord. We want to find you. Tonight, listen, guys. Tonight, tonight. Lots of people come. And I'm going to let you have an early mark this morning. But I want to say this. I want to say this. Guys, listen to me. Close your eyes. If you've felt God, if you've felt God somehow, if you've seen Jesus, if you've been stirred in your spirit, not because it's just Christmas, but because right now, grace is breaking out all across our community because people are feeling that this celebration of who Jesus is maybe is revealing the glory of who he is. Uh, you know, Jesus came 
in a manger. He came as a baby, grew up, performed miracles as a man, walked the earth, lived pure. He, worked, he, he lived pure. He performed miracles. He eventually had to go to the cross. and He paid for this death, this death of this planet, the death of humankind through all the sickness that you see, all the degradation, all the corruption in our planet. Jesus paid for that. You don't have to live under that. You can live separated from the curse of death by the blood of Christ. You can receive that just by a simple confession of your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The greatest gift, the greatest gift ever given to this planet is Jesus Christ. If you feel that this morning, this season, this time, this day, right now, that you want to accept Him as your Savior into your heart, into your life, and that you want to know Him, that you want to feel His peace, feel His love, and know what you are to do in this life. He, he's born you for a purpose. He's born you for a reason. And so if that's you this morning, if you really feel like that you want to give your life to Jesus, and you need to do this, this is something that all Christians do. They say yes to Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, Confess from your mouth, Jesus, believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. You will be saved. If you can confess Jesus Christ met Jacob, met Abraham, met Samson's parents, met Hagar, was in the burning bush, turned up in a manger, came to Paul after he rose, blinded him on the road to Damascus and said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? But now in this modern time, he's actually turning up to even Muslims. They're having revelation. They're having Christophanies of seeing Jesus in dreams. Did you know that? Even Muslim leaders are getting saved. And they're, they're sorting out Christians and saying, who is this Jesus? I saw him in a dream last night. He's turning up. The same way he left in the book of Acts, he, he left. And the angel said, why are you looking into the sky? He will come back the same way he went. And the same way he went was after he rose on the third day, he turned up over a period of 40 days. He turned up here, turned up there, turned up here. He's turning up here and there. They said in Hawaii, there was a church in Hawaii, the back doors flew open. 2,000 people hit the deck. They felt the glory of God. Someone said that Jesus had turned up visibly, personably, in that church in the back doors. The whole church hit the deck. Jesus is turning up the same way he left. He turned up to 400 people at one time. He turned up to, to the upper room. He turned up. He turned up. He's turning up right now. If that's you, if you feel like you just need to get right with God. If you feel that this is for you, that, you've, that you want to become a Christian, just lift your hand right now. Don't, without, a, without hesitation, just do that right now. Just do it. Just give yourself the greatest Christmas present you could ever need. Just, just shrug. Just give your neighbor an elbow if that's them. Give them a helping hand and say, if, if that's you, great. Give them a helping hand. God bless.